Ashley Brock reading Nora Roberts' book, Night Shift, Chapter 4. They were close. She had lifted one hand and an unconscious defense gesture, and now her fingers were splayed across his chest. She could feel his heartbeat, slow and steady, beneath her palm. She focused her resentment on that even rhythm as her pulse jerked and scrambled. I don't have to prove anything to you. He nodded. The barely banked fury in her eyes was easier for him to handle than the glaze of fear it replaced. Here's opening. Deliberately smiled, Bateman. What's the matter, Rook? Do I scare you? He pushed exactly the right button. <laughs> they both knew it. He didn't give a damn if it was temper. That pushed her forward as long as she moved. She tossed her hair back and slowly. Purposefully slid her hand from his chest to his shoulder. She wanted a reaction. Hang him. He only lifted a bro. And with a faint smile playing around his mouth, watched her. So he wanted to play games, she thought. Well, she was up for it. Tossing common sense aside, crushed her lips to his. His were firm, cool, and unresponsive. With her eyes open, she watched his rain. She watched him remain patient, steady, and fully amused. As her hand balled into a pistol on his shoulder, she's not moving back. Satisfied? Not orally. His eyes bent. His eyes might have been calm. That was training, but if she had bothered to monitor his heartbeat, she would have found it erratic. You're not trying to rook. He slid a hand down to her hip, shifted her balance just enough to have her sway against him. You want me to believe that that's the best you can do? Anger, humiliation, ripped through her, cursing it, dragged his mouth to hers, and poured herself into the kiss. His lips were still firm, but they were no longer cool, nor were they unresponsive. For an instant, the urge to retreat hammered at her, and the needs, almost forgotten needs, surged. A flood of longings, a storm of desires, overwhelmed by them, she strained against him, letting the power and the heat whip through her, reminding her what it was like a simple passion again. Every other thought, every other wish, winked out. <laughs> she could feel the long, hard length of him pressed against her, the slow, deliberate stroke of his hands as they moved up her back and into her hair. His mouth, no longer patient, took and took from hers until the blood poured like thunder in her head. He'd known she would pack a punch. He thought he was prepared for it in the days he'd known her. He'd imagine tasting her like this dozens of times. He'd imagine what it would be like to hold her against him, to hear her sigh, to catch the revert scent of her skin as he took her mouth over, as, his, as he took his mouth over her. But reality was much more potent than any dream had been. Chain lightning, she was every bit as explosive, as turbulent, as potentially lethal. The curve sparked and sizzled from her into him, leaving him breathless. Dazed and churning, even as he groaned against the onslaught, he felt her arch away from the power that snapped back into her. She shuddered against him and made a sound, part protest, part fusion, as she tried to struggle away. He wrapped her hair around his hand. He had only to tuck gently to have her head fall back, to have her eyes dark and cloudy on his. He took his time, letting his gaze skim over her face. He wanted to see it in her eyes, what he had felt. The reflection was there. The most elemental yearning he smiled again as her lips trembled open and her breath came fast enough, easy, uneven, even. I'm not finished yet.
We told her and dragged her against them again and plundered her. She needed to think, but her thoughts couldn't fight their way through the sensation. Layers of them thin and silky seemed to cover her, fogging reason, drugging the will. Before panic could slice through, she was rocking up again, <laughs> rocketing up again, clinging to him, open and form, demanding from him. He knew he could feast and never be full. Not when her mouth was hot and moist and ripe with flavor. He knew he could hold, yet never control. Not when her body was vibrating from the explosion they had initiated together. The promise had, the promise he had heard in her voice, seen in her eyes, was here for the taking. Unable to resist, he slid his hands under her sweater skirt to find the warm satin soap beneath. Took possession. Explore. Exp exploded so the eggs ran through his body turned to pain too fast he warmed himself too soon for both of them holding their study he lifted his head and waited for her to suffice she dragged her eyes open saw his saw only his face she gulped in there and tasted only his flavor flavor really she pressed the hand in the temple then let it fall to her side i i want to sit down that makes two of us Taking her arm, he led her to the couch and sat beside her. She worked on studying her breathing, focused on the dark window across the room. Maybe with enough time, enough distance, she would be able to confess herself that what had just happened had not been life-altering. That was stupid. There was a lot of things he pointed out. Stupid doesn't come to mind. She took one more deep breath. You made me angry. It isn't hard. Listen, Boyd. So you can't say it before <laughs> she could stop him. He stroked the hand down her hair and a casual intimate gesture that made her pulse right sore again. Does that mean you don't use a man's name until you've kissed him? It doesn't mean anything. She stood up hoping to get the strength back and her legs quicker by pacing. Obviously, we've gotten off the track. <laughs> There's more than one. He settled back thinking it was a pleasure to watch her move. There was something just fine and dandy about watching the swing of long feminine legs as she faced nervous energy crackling. And he tossed an arm over the back of the couch and stretched out his legs. <sighs> There's only one for me. She threw him a look over her shoulder. You better understand that. Okay, we'll ride on that one for a while. He could afford to wait since he had every intention of switching lines again and soon. You seem to have some kind of screwy notion that the only thing that attracts men to you is your voice, your act. I think we just proved you wrong. What just happened proved nothing. If there was anything more infuriating than that slow, patient smile of his, she had yet to see it. In any case... It has nothing to do with the man who's calling me. <laughs> Here's my woman to see of. He's your head. He's fixed on you, but not for himself. He wants you to pay back for something you did to another man. Someone you knew. He continued when she stopped long enough to pick up a cigarette. Someone who was involved with you. I've already told you there's no one. No one now. No one now. No one before. No one for years. Haven't experienced the first wave of your passion. Found that more than difficult to believe. Still, he nodded. So it didn't mean as much to you. Maybe that's the problem. For God's sakes, Fletcher, I don't even date. I don't have time or the inclination. <laughs> we'll talk about your inclinations later. Where is she turned away? So you're blindly saying, Damn it, Boyd, get out of my life. It's your life we're talking about. There was an edge to his voice. They're holding back the snide comment she wanted to make. 
and there's been no one in Denver, we'll start working our way back. But I want you to think and think hard. Who's shown an interest in you? Someone who calls the station more than normal. Who asks to meet you, asks personal questions. Someone who's approached you, asked you out, made a play. He's got a short humor. You have. Remind me to run a ma- make on myself. <laughs> remind me to run. Remind me to run a make on myself. His voice was deceptively mild, but she caught the underlying noise and frustration in it. Who else? Uh, there's no one, no one who's pushed. Which for a moment, just a moment, peace of mind. She pressed the heels of her hands, kissed her eyes. I get calls. That's the idea. I get some that ask me for a date. Some that even send presents. You know, candy and flower types. Nothing very sinister about a bunch of roses. There's a lot of sinister about death threats. She wanted to speak calmly, practically, but she couldn't keep the nastiness out of her voice. I can't remember everyone who's called and flirted with me on the air. Guys, I turned down. Stay turned down. He could only shake his head. It was a wonder to him that such a sharp woman could be so naive in certain situations. All right. We'll do for a different angle. You work with men, almost all men, at the station. We're professionals. She snapped and began biting her nails. Mark's happily married. Bob's happily married. Jim's a friend. A good one. You forgot Nick. Hey, Peters, what about him? He's crazy about you. What? She was surprised enough to turn around. That's ridiculous. He's a kid. After a long study, he let out. You really haven't noticed, have you? There's nothing to notice. More disturbing than she wanted to admit to turn away again. Look, Slick, this is getting us nowhere. And I'm... Her rose shot off and her hand crept slowly toward her throat. And you're what? There's a man across the street. He's watching the house. Get away from the window. What? Boyd was already up and jerking her side. Stay away from the window and keep the door locked. Don't open it again until I get back. She nodded and followed him to the door. Her lips pressed together as she watched him take out his weapon. That single gesture snapped her back to reality. It had been a smooth movement. Not so much practice as instinctive. Ten years on the force, she remembered. He'd drawn and fired before. She wouldn't tell him to be careful. Those were useless words. I'm going to take a look. Lock the door behind me. Gone was the laid-back man who had taunted her into an embrace. One look at his face, and she could see that he was all caught. Their eyes changed, she thought. The emotion drained out of them. There was no room for emotion when he held again. If I'm not back in ten minutes, call 911 for backup. Understand? Yes. She gave him the need to touch him. Yes, she repeated. After he slipped out, she shoved the bolt into place and waited. He had buttoned his coat, and the deep wind of the early hours whipped through his shirt. His weapon, warm from setting in its nest against his side, fitted snug in his hand. Sweeping his gaze right, then left, he found the street deserted, dark from, but for the pools of light from the street lamps spaced at regular intervals. It was only a quiet suburban neighborhood, cozy asleep in the pre-dawn hours. The night wind sounded through the naked trees in low moans. He didn't doubt Celia's words, wouldn't have doubted it even if it hadn't caught a glimpse through a window of a lone figure on the opposite sidewalk. Whoever had been there was gone now, probably alerted at the, the moment Celia had spotted him. As if to punctuate Boyd's thoughts, there was the sound of an engine turning over a block or two away. He swore but didn't bother to give chase. With that much of a lead, it would be a waste of time. Instead, he walked a half block in each direction, then carefully circled the house. Celia had her hand on the phone when he knocked. It's okay. It's Boyd. In three hurried strides, she was at the door. Did you see him? She demanded the moment Boyd stepped in. No. He was there, I swear. I know. He even locked the doors. 
Try to relax. He's gone now. Relax. The past ten minutes, she's had more than enough time to work herself from upset to frantic. Who knows where I work, where I live? How in God's name am I ever supposed to relax again? If you haven't scared him off, he might have. She dragged her hands through her hair. She didn't want to think about what might have happened. <laughs> then there, boy didn't speak for a moment. Instead, he watched as he slowly, painfully brought herself under control. Why don't you take some time off? Stay home for a few days. We'll arrange for a black and white to cruise the neighborhood. She allowed herself the luxury of sinking into a chair. What difference does it make if I'm here or at the station? She shook her head before he speak. And if I stayed home, I'd go crazy thinking about it, worrying about it. At least at work, I have other things on my mind. He hadn't expected her to agree. We'll talk about it later. Right now, you're tired. Why don't you go to bed? I'll sleep on the couch. She wanted to be strong enough to tell him it wasn't necessary. She didn't need to be protected. With a wave of gratitude, made her I'll get you a blanket. It was almost dawn when he dragged himself home. Driven a long time from one sleepy suburb to another into an early quiet downtown. Covenant's trail. The panic had stayed with him for the first hour, but he beaten it, made himself drive slowly, carefully. Being stopped by a roving patrol car could have ruined all of his plans. Under the heavy muffler and cap he was wearing, he was sweating. The thin canvas tennis shoes, his feet were like ice, but he was too accustomed to discomfort to notice. He staggered into the bathroom, never turning on a light. With ease, he avoided his early warning devices. The thin wire stretched from the arm of the splendidly chair to the arm of the faded couch. The tower of cans in the entrance to his bedroom. He had excellent night vision. It was something he'd always been proud of. He showered in the dark letting the water run cold over his tense body. As it began to relax, he allowed himself to draw in the fragments of soap, his favorite scent. He used a rough, long-handled brush to violently scrub every inch of his skin. As he washed, the dark began to lessen. The dark began to lessen with the first watery light of dawn. Over his heart was an equipment tattoo of two knives, bladed crossed in the necks. With his fingers, he caressed them remembered when it had still been new when he had shown it to john john had been so impressed so fantastic fascinated the image came so clearly john's dark excited eyes his voice the way he spoke so quickly that the words tumbled into each other sometimes they had sat in the dark and talked for hours making plans and promises they were going to travel together do great things together then the world had interfered life had interfered the woman had interfered. Dripping, he stepped from the shower. The tower was exactly where he had placed it. No one came into this room, into any of his rooms, to disturb his careful, ordered space. Once he was dry, he pulled on faded pajamas that reminded him of the childhood he'd been cheated out of. As the sun came up, he made two enormous sandwiches and ate them standing in the kitchen, leaning over the sink so that the crumbs wouldn't fall to the floor. Felt strong again, clean and fed. He was outwitted the police, making fools of them, and that delighted him. He was frightening the woman, bringing terror into every day of her life. That excited him. When the time was right, he would do everything he told her he would do, and still wouldn't be enough. He went into the bedroom, shut the door, pulled the shades, and picked up the phone. Deborah strolled out of her room in a white teddy, a thin blue robe that reached to mid-thigh, flapping open. Her toenails were shocking pink. She painted them the night before to amuse herself. As she crammed for an exam, she was muttering the questions she thought would be on the exam. She had scheduled at nine. The questions came easily enough, but the answers continued to bog down at some crossroads between 
conscious and the unconscious. She helped to unlock the answers with a quick shot of coffee. Yawning, she stumbled over a boot, pitched toward the couch, then let out a muffled scream at her hand, encountered more flesh. When set up like a shot, his hand already reached for his weapon. With her face close, she stared at Deborah. The creamy skin, the big blue eyes, the tremble of dark hair. We're like, good morning. I, Detective Fletcher. He rubbed a hand over that. I think so. I'm sorry, I didn't realize you were here. She cleared her throat and belatedly remembered to close her robe. Still fumbling, she laced up the stairs and automatically lowered her voice. Sister wasn't a sound sleeper out of the best. Why are you here? He flexed his shoulder as it stiffened during his cramped night on the couch. I told you I was going to look after Celia. Yes, you did. Her eyes narrowed as she studied it. You take your job seriously. That's right. Good. Satisfied, she smiled. The upheaval and confusion of her 19 years, she had learned to make character judgments quickly. I was about to make some coffee. Have an early class. Can I get you some? She was anything like her sister. He wouldn't get any more sleep until he answered whatever question would roll around in her. Sure, thanks. I imagine you like a hot shower as well. You're about six inches too long to have spent a comfortable night on that couch. Hey, <laughs> he said, rubbing the back of his stiff neck. I think it's more like eight. <laughs> You're welcome to hold out water you want. I'll start on the coffee. As she turned toward the kitchen, the phone rang. Though she knew Celia would pick it up before the second ring, she stepped toward it automatically. Boy shook his head. Reaching over, he lifted the receiver and listened. With her hands clutching the labels of her robe, Deborah watched him. His face remained impassive, but she saw a flicker of anger in his eyes. Though brief, it was intense enough to make certain it was on the other end of the line. Boy disconnected mechanically. Lee then punched in a series of anything. He didn't even bother to swear at the negative. Right. After hanging up, he looked at Deborah. She was standing beside the couch, her hands clenched in her basement. I'm going upstairs, he said. I'll take a rain check on that coffee. She'll be upset. I want to talk to her. He pushed aside the blanket and rose wearing only his jeans. I'd appreciate it if you'd let me handle it this time. She wanted to argue, but something in his eyes stopped her. She nodded. All right. But do a good job of it. She isn't as tough as she likes people to think. I know. He climbed the stairs to the second floor, walked past an open door to a room where the bed was tidily made. Deb Rosie decided to note in the rose and white decor and the feminine bits of lace. Pausing at the next door, he knocked and entered without waiting for an answer. She was sitting in the middle of the bed, her knees drawn up close to her chest, and her head resting on them. The sheets and blankets were tangled testimony to the few hours of restless sleep she had. There was no bits of feminine lace here, no soft creamy colors. She preferred clean lines rather than curves, simplicity rather than florinance. In contrast, the color scheme was electric and anything but restful. In the midst of the vibrant blues and greens, she seemed all the more vulnerable. She didn't look up until he sat on the edge of the bed and touched her hair. Slowly, she lifted her head so that there were no tears, rather than the fear he expected, there was an unbearable weariness that was even more disturbing. He called, she said. I know, I was on the extension. And he heard. She looked away, toward the window where she could see the sun struggling to burn away a low bank of clouds. It was him outside last night. He said he'd seen me, seen us. It made it sound revolting. So, uh... He was watching. She's been up with nothing I say, nothing I do is going to make him stop. And if he gets to me, he's going to do everything he said he'd do. He's not going to get to you. How long? She demanded, her fingers clenched and unclenched on the sheets as her eyes burned into his. How long can you watch me? He'll just wait. He'll wait and keep calling. 
keep watching. Something snapped inside her. She picked up the bedside phone and heaved it across the room. It bounced against the wall, jangling as it touched the floor. You're not going to stop him. You heard him. He said nothing would stop him. This is just what he wants. We took her by the arms. He gave her one quick thing. He wants you to fall apart. He wants to know he's make you, made you fall apart. If you do, you're only helping him. I don't know what to do, she managed. I just don't know what to do. You gotta trust me. We can be so. Her breath was stitching, but she medicine. I want you to trust me, he said well. And believe me when I say I won't let anything happen to you. You can't always be here, his lips curved a little. He gentled his hold to rub his hands up and down. Sure can. I want she squeezed her eyes shut. How she hated ass hated it. What? Her lips trembled as she fought for one last hold on. I need to hold on to something. She let out on her feet. Said nothing, but he gathered her close to cradle her head on his shoulder. Her hands, balled into fists, pressed against his back. She was trembling, fighting off a wild battle of tears. Take five of rope, he murmured, loose. <laughs> I can't. She kept her eyes closed and held on. He was solid, warm, strong, dependable. I'm afraid once I do, I won't be able to stop. Okay, let's try this. He tilted her head up, touched his lips gently. Think about me. Right here. His mouth pressures him. Right now. Easy, patient. He struck to your back. Excuse me. Here was compassion. She hadn't known a kiss from a man could hold it. More than gentle, more than tender. Soothed frayed nerves. Calm, dicey fears. Cool, hot desire. He clenched hands, relaxed, muscle by muscle. There was no demand here as his lips rummed over her face. Just understanding. Came so simple to do as he had. She thought only of him. Hesitant, she brought a hand to his face, letting her fingers skim along his beard rough and cheek. Her stomach unknotted. His rubbing in her head quieted. She said his name was sigh and melted against him. He had to be careful. Very careful. Her complete and total surrender had his own needs drumming. He ignored them. For now, she needed comfort, not passion. Couldn't matter that his senses were really from her. The soft give of her body, the rich taste of her mouth. It couldn't matter that the air had thickened so that each breath he took was crowded with the scent of her. He knew he had only to lay her back on the bed among the tangled sheets and cover her. She wouldn't resist. Perhaps she wouldn't even... She would even welcome the heat into the distraction, temporary respite. He intended to be much more to her. Battling his own demons, he pressed his lips to her forehead and rested his cheek on her. Better. On one ragged breast, she nodded. She wasn't sure she could speak. How could she tell him that she wanted only to stay like this, her arms around him, his heart beating against hers? He thinks she was a fool. <laughs> I am... Um... Didn't know you could be such a nice guy, Fletcher. He wanted to sigh, but he found it so grand. Um, a moment. Yeah, well, that was certainly above and beyond. <laughs> maybe, just maybe, she wasn't really trying to needle him. He pulled back, put a hand under her chin, and held her, saying, I'm not on duty when I kiss you. It's got nothing to do with my job, got it? She meant to think of not annoying him. There was a warning in his eyes at her frowning. Sure. Sure. He repeated, rose to jam his hands in his pockets in disgust. First time she noted that he wore only his jeans and snapped and riding low. 
sudden clutching in her stomach had nothing to do with fear and left her momentarily speechless. She wanted him, not just to hold, not just for a few heated kisses, and certainly not just for comfort. She wanted him in bed, the way she couldn't remember ever wanting a man before. She could look at him, the long, lean, golden line torso, the narrow hips, the dance of muscles in his arms as he balled his hands. But she could imagine what it would be like to touch and be touched. To roll over the bed in one single heap of passion, right in the end. What the hell's wrong with you now? What? Eyes narrowed. He rocked back on his heel as she blinked at him, taking a side trip over it. I, uh, her mouth was dry. There was a hard knot of pressure in her gut. What would he say if she told him where her mind had just taken her? Taken them? She let her eyes go. Oh boy. She was, I think I need some coffee. Then a quick dip in a cold lake. Your sister was fixing some. He frowned as he studied her. He thought of Deborah for a moment of how she had nearly fallen on top of him, where it hardly more than a watch of white lace. Appreciated the long, lensome limbs, what man wouldn't. Looking at her hadn't rocked his system. And here was Celia, sitting there with her eyes swole, shadow, wearing a Broncos football jersey that was two sizes too big. The bright orange cotton was hardly seductive lingerie. If he stood there one more moment, he would be on his knees, begging for mercy. How about breakfast? His voice was abrupt, not even marginally friendly, helped to bring her thoughts to order. I never eat it. Today you do ten minutes. Look slick. Do something with your hair, he said as he walked down. You look like hell. Found Deborah downstairs in the kitchen, fully dressed, sipping a cup of coffee. That she was waiting for him was obvious. The moment he stepped into the room, she was out of her chair. She's fine, said briefly. I'm going to fix her some breakfast. The bro lifted <laughs> at this information. She nodded. Look, why don't you sit down? I'll fix some for both of you. Although you had an early class. I'll skip it. <laughs> he had for the coffee. Then she'll be mad at both of us. She had to smile as if for a cup. Then rooted through a drawer for a spoon of sugar. You already know her very. You already know her very well. Now well enough. He drank half the cup and felt nearly human again. He didn't think of Celia. It would be safe enough. He hoped if he kept those thoughts professional. How much time do you have? About five minutes. He said as he glanced at her. Tell me about her ex-husband. Paul. Her <laughs> surprise in her eyes. Why? She's thinking heaven for you. You don't think he has anything to do with what's going on here? I'm checking all the angles of the divorce. Was it amicable? Are they ever? She was young, boy thought, nodding, but she was sharp. You don't mean. Well, in this case, I'd say it was amicable, or as bland as they get. She hesitated, torn. Torn, if it was a question of being loyal to Celia or protecting her, she had to choose protection. I was only about 12, and Celia was never very open about it, but my impression was, always has been, that he wanted it. Boyd leaned back then. Why? Uncomfortable. Deborah moved her shoulders. He'd fallen in love with someone else. She let out a hiss of breath and prayed Celia wouldn't see what she was doing as a betrayal. It was pretty clear that they were having problems before I came to live with them. It was right after our parents had died. Celia had only been married a few months, but well... Let's say the honeymoon was over. She was making a name for herself in Atlanta, and Paul, he was very conservative, a real straight arrow. He decided to run for assemblyman, I think it was, and Celia's image didn't suit. Sounds like it was the other way around to me. She smiled then, beautifully, and moved over to the shop office coffee. I remember how hard she was working to hold her job together, to hold everything together. It was a pretty awful time for us. It didn't help matters when the responsibility for a 12-year-old was suddenly dumped on them. 
the added strain, well, I guess you could say it hastens the inevitable. A couple months after I moved in, he moved out and filed for divorce. She didn't fight it. He tried to imagine how it would have been at 20. She lost her parents, accepted the care and responsibility of a young girl, and watched her marriage crumble. Sounds to me like she was well rid of him. I guess it doesn't hurt to say I never liked him very much. He was inoffensive and dull. <laughs> Why did you marry him? I think it would be more appropriate to ask. I think it would be more appropriate to ask me. See, said from the doorway. <laughs> End of chapter four.